Oh, people, yes, we will. It is Friday. It is Christmas Day, people. Happy Christmas to everyone. Thank you very much for all the support all year round. Hey, because it's Christmas, we're bringing you something a little bit different. Okay, so instead of our dissection of the news, today... I'm giving you a year review, right? I am sitting down with the man, Mike Harrington, producer extraordinaire from Gas Digital. If you don't know people, shame on you. Yeah, we sit down, you know what I mean? And we uh, shoot the shit. We talk about, you know, fights and all manner of things. So people, I hope you enjoy. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I think it's recording. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, this is a fun chin check for you people. A little bit different. Got a guest in the house. You know what I mean? So, you should know the man is Mike Harrington, producer extraordinaire. He's one and O in boxing. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how we do, baby. We get pro athletes on this shit. <laughs> Mike, thank you very much for um, stopping by. I appreciate it, man. Yo, yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is, uh, this is really cool. I'm excited to do this. Awesome. So it's been an interesting year right it's been an interesting year and like we just because remember we started off with mcgregor against cerrone and right. that was fire Dude, like, I mean, that, that was a fun event how do you how do you like i'm i'm so excited we're going into 2021 again with a conor <laughs> mcgregor fight on the horizon because it feels like anytime there's a mcgregor fight there's a certain buzz in the air i think that was the crazy thing right because mcgregor hadn't fought for Gosh, was it probably a year or something? Uh, no, it was 2018, if uh, memory serves me correct, right? He had fought in 2018 against Khabib. That was his last fight. And then he came back against Cerrone in 2020. The Khabib fight was 2018. I believe so. Jesus Christ. October 2018 was Khabib versus Connor. Man, like time, everything is just a mess. In my head, yeah. that was like 2019. 2018. Right. God damn. But yeah, I remember the, the, the whole thought at the time was, do people care? You know what I mean? Like, he's fighting Cerrone. Does anyone care? And like, then it sold out in like minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the, the, the gate was gangbusters. I mean, God bless uh, Donald Cerrone, by the way. You know I mean? That man has been putting in the work for years. Finally got his red panty night, man. Good for him. Yeah, that, that was the thing. I, I, was not, I wasn't mad at the matchup because Cerrone is a good fight. We've seen what Cerrone can do. You know what I mean? He, he, he beat Mike Perry. The way he beat Anthony Hernandez when Hernandez was like, you know what I mean? He was a firecracker on the scene, killing everyone. And everyone thought he was going to run through Cerrone and Cerrone worked him. But yeah. Cerrone, he is just... When he gets to that big moment, 
he just freezes. That's the problem. And that, that's what we saw. But, it, you know what I mean? How many other people had done it that fast and like that? But Cerrone fought, you know, he fought Gaethje, fought Ferguson. Neither of them did that to him. You know, and everyone's like, Gaethje can knock anyone out. Gaethje, Gaethje. You know what I mean? But Gaethje did not do to Cerrone what Connor did to Cerrone, which yeah, was... I mean, I'm trying to remember how that how that Gaethje fight went down because I do remember like it was pretty it was pretty rough. I mean Ferguson tuned Cerrone up, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuned Cerrone up. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly how that. It, I mean, it was a TKO in the first round, but you're right. I mean, that 40 seconds, that McGregor blitz, like Oof. you know, it, it. There was something about it, like that that meme on Reddit, you know, the motivated McGregor, like that. That kind of <laughs> did show up that day, and it is like, yo, oh, there's, shit, there's a yeah. reason. Well, yeah, because it was the shoulder strikes, and it was just the way he threw those shoulders. It wasn't just the shrug that everyone does. It was just driving the shoulder into Cerrone's head, which was just like we were just seeing some shit that we just hadn't seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're coming, you know, right in that December, we had had Bryce Mitchell get, I think, the second ever twister ever in the <laughs> yes. UFC. And we're seeing shoulder strikes <laughs> lead the TKOs. I mean, uh, obviously, like what Joaquin Buckley did this year. I mean, there's, there is uh, one of those things. Like, I don't know, dude. Like, I saw this thing yesterday where it was the 10-year anniversary of the Showtime kick, you know? Yeah. And it's like, anytime I think I've seen it all in mixed martial arts, like some <laughs> new shit comes out where it's like, I did what, when did, when is, when, why is that allowed? Yeah. There's that's, that is it, isn't it? Because sometimes some of these moves, they're out of like a Jean clan band, Jean clan, Jean Claude Van Damfield. And, and, <laughs> and you just don't think they, you think when you see them in the film, you're like, that shit wouldn't work in a fight. And then when you see something like that working up, fight, it's just like... Then you see Stephen Thompson in real life, and you're like, oh, striking can be beautiful. <laughs> I will say, I, I feel that the performance Thompson put on on Saturday was probably, I don't know, I think that was one of his best performances that we've seen. Like, remember when he first came out and he pieced up Johnny Hendricks? I think what we saw was a more refined version of that. Well, I mean, that, the Johnny Hendricks fight wasn't when he first came out. I mean, if you, if you remember, go back a little bit, um, you know, there was the, the, the Matt Brown fight where he got taken down five times but outstruck Matt Brown almost two to one, you know, lost because, you know, I think takedowns were just weighed more heavily back then. Um, you know, I, I don't remember the fight all that well. But, you know, I mean, Matt Brown's a, a killer for anybody who's, you know, in their uh, very, very early in the mixed martial arts career like Stephen Thompson was uh, in, in his UFC run. I think he got five – there was five takedowns in that fight. Since then, he's been taken down once by Tyron Woodley in the first fight, once by Tyron Woodley in the second fight, and that's it. Yeah. Like, there is that, something about that dude where it's like he is a karate striker. He's a what like, but it's like he has refined his game and leveled up so much in MMA. Like I, I would say one of his best performance, honestly, was the uh, uh, the one where he got knocked out by Pettis. Like he was piecing Pettis up. He looked incredible with that striking and just like that is the the scary thing about somebody like Pettis, where it's like you get into his orbit and that one big shot can put you down. But like I don't feel like Stephen Thompson has ever missed a beat. You know. He hasn't missed a beat, but 
I feel there is some fight, like the Pettis fight, right? Because he was winning that fight clearly. But there's sometimes in fights you see him, I don't know, just lose focus just slightly. Like it's kind of like, man, this ain't, this is too easy. You know, it's like when they say people, um, they take a picture, right? And, and I think sometimes Wonderboy does that. And that was the only reason Pettis was able to get that knockout on him. Right, yeah. I've, I heard it described as, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Dominic Cruz, actually, who said it on one of the Fight Island cards. He was like, you know, he's, he's watching his work. You yes. know, like, and there definitely was something about Stephen Thompson coming over from the karate, like the point fighting karate world and then the kickboxing world where it's like, it very much is like, I get a point, then I get out. I get a yes. point, then I get out. And it's like, you know, you can kind of like, ooh, look at that. Like, that was pretty dope because you're not worried about takedowns coming back at you or, you know, uh, uh, you know. So I, like, there definitely was that, that, that feeling to him early on. And this was just such clean movement. You know mm. what I mean? The one, two, step out, and then another one off the step out. Like, it was, it was a sight to behold. Yeah, someone described – someone um, compared him to Roy Jones, early Roy Jones. And, oh, yeah. yeah. That was because it was just the head movement, getting out of the way of those nil shots. Even when they were in the pocket, he wasn't hit that much. Yeah, dude, you he know, looked like Goku the out there, dude. Like just. <laughs> <laughs> I had I picked Neil to win that fight, and I oh, just I felt so silly. I, I was like, ah, shit. Is well, this Wonder Boy? <laughs> well, we're talking about a guy who's who's the the main crux of the 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 thing there. Like we saw it with Machida. You know, if you're gonna do that kind of stance, you need the athleticism and the movement. You know, to to keep up with that style. Because the as soon as you don't hit that line, as soon as you don't step out correctly with that perfect timing and land that perfect head movement, you get caught like in the Pettis fight. You know, and like I said, we saw that uh, uh, with Machida when he went from being, you know, like the 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 champion at 205 to being, you know, an all like a, a, a let's call him a gatekeeper. You know what I mean? Like that that's really where he landed at middleweight. Um, so to to for somebody like that and Stephen Thompson, where you see 37 years old hasn't fought in two years, coming off of an injury. Of course, like, the natural inclination there is like, oh, this young athletic freak who is working as a waiter during the pandemic. <laughs> Nobody's hungrier than Jeff Neal, right? Uh, he's got the power. He's got the composure. Yeah, of course I'm going to pick Jeff Neal uh, uh, against the guy who's 37 and whose game relies on youth and athleticism. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, because coming off those injuries, you're thinking maybe he's lost a step, and that's all that's needed. He just needs to lose just a second, and he's not the same wonder boy. But I think he showed us that he, he hasn't lost that, but hurt his fucking leg. Hurt his leg in the fight, which does seem typical wonder boy. He gets injured so often these days. Which right, but I mean, like... like Let's see what that is because he was. Yo, did you see? By the way, I think Stephen Thompson cursed. 
Yes. <laughs> I think they caught him cursing, dude. I tried to – I put it in the notes for BYM this week, and uh, I think Vincent was very kind and, and glanced right over it because, you know, he said that thing about the kids. But, oh, man, dude, like you could see he threw that right leg. He caught Holland. It was – or uh, he caught Jeff Neal, and you just heard it with the four-letter word. Just saw him mouth it. I was like, oh, my God, Stephen Dobson just cursed. Stephen Dobson. It's like seeing Cookie Monster take his head off on Sesame Street. It was crazy. Oh man! It, but the fact that he hurt his leg and then he was still kicking with it is just crazy, dude. He's such a badass. Love that yeah. dude for real, for real, man. And um, just it, it's always weird though. Come December, because you know you you talk about and you remember those fights that you've just seen, but there was there's been a gang. I forgot for a minute that Jean Jacek <laughs> Wei Li happened this year. Uh, how could you forget that? Does it just seem so long ago? <laughs> sure. My, my only problem with that, anytime I bring up any fight, right, as like, oh, man, that was a fight of the year contender, the first reply on Twitter every time is, yeah, but what about Joanna versus Wei Li Zhang? Like, that is certainly the bar that every other fight this year has been measured against in my mind. Oh, for it. Because that fight was, it was crazy. Because I thought Joanna won that fight. I thought, and, and really? the, the, the thing is, the only reason she didn't get that fight, her fucking forehead. If her forehead wasn't like a friggin' alien, she would have got that fight. But I feel the judges looked at it and were like, oh no, she got fucked up. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I seem to remember having it four rounds to one for uh, Wei Lee, but let me – I don't know. Interesting. I, I'm trying to remember what that was. I mean, it was so long ago. I just remember both <laughs> you know. Like, I think it was one of those things. You might be right. Like, my coloring of the fight may have been skewed to be like, how is Joanna still standing with that gigantic hematoma? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jacek did outstrike her over the course of the entire fight. Yeah. Um, the round-by-round striking, yeah, I mean, 30-30 to 30 in the first round, 32-20 in the second, again tied in the third, tied in the fourth, and then Joanna. So, yeah, I mean, there's literally three rounds where they're tied in significant strikes. Um, Joanna, the far more accurate striker, but, you know, Whaley just kept putting a, putting a pace on her. It, it was, I mean, that, it wasn't a draw, was it? No, split decision. <laughs> Yeah, and I could have gone a draw. If it wasn't Joanna getting a win, I could have been like, yeah, that's a draw. But I just thought that Joanna did enough to win that fight. So I thought, here's the thing. I think it was like, I think I gave round one to Whaley. If I remember this correctly, during the night, I gave round one to Whaley, round two to Jacek, round three to Whaley, round four to Whaley, and in my mind, it was like, oh, it's over, heading into that fifth round. And that fifth round, Joanna put it on her. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they were both going for it, but she definitely won that fifth round, in my mind. Um, so I had it three rounds to two, uh, Whaley Zhang. But, yeah, I think any one of those first uh, third or fourth rounds could have gone to Joanna. 
yeah, it, it, it was a fun-ass fight, man. So I, I do like that concept, though, about the draws. You know what I mean? I've been a proponent for years that there needs to be more draws in combat sports. 10-8 rounds should be easier. If you're down heading into that last round, you should be able to have a comeback without having to separate your opponent from their consciousness. Like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. only going to make the sport safer in my mind. Yeah. I, I think something else that has really glared its head even worse this year just bad judging. Bad judging. You can't say that. It's this year, man. I mean, I personally had Stephen Thompson winning the first Woodley fight. I had Stephen Thompson in a draw in the second Woodley fight. I mean, there has been bad judging for as long as I've been a fan of this sport, man. Oh, it, no, for real. Definitely. But I think this year, because we've literally had cards every single weekend, you know what I mean? And you're watching, you're able to go, hold on, that same judge did the same thing that other way. And you see patterns. Like, you see these bad, terrible judges. And, and I think it's just, you know what I mean? It, it comes home a little bit more just because of the frequency in which we're seeing these things. Well, that's why I'm the biggest proponent for open scoring. Not even necessarily to know what the scoring is going from round to round, but just having that graphic up every single week. Sal Diamato scores this X, right? Because you don't, you don't listen when Buffer's saying, like, this person judged it, blah, blah. You're just waiting for the blah, blah. You know, you just want those numbers. You don't, you're not processing mentally who the judge is. But if you had to watch every single week with open scoring, these judges fucking it up in real time, people would get pissed. They'd be called out by name and the commission i feel like would would have to come down on those judges harder would have to review those judges work harder and probably help you know get a better judging system in place i don't know if that's enough though to be on because you know there's been, there's been times when the judges do get called out but the commission just do nothing and there's been such egregious decisions. Like when that one guy gave um, Felder to, to win over RDA. It was just like, what, what did he see? Dude. Felder didn't win that fight at all. It was such a disappointment because I, uh, I had this fight spoiled for me. Like I, I was out that night and I had the fight spoiled for, I think I was working a show and uh, I, I came back and I was like, Oh man, split decision. This is going to be such a razor close fight. And I was like, Oh, I just had to watch Paul Felder get hit for like, that hurt to watch. I didn't need to see that man's got two daughters. Like what the fuck? Why, why did we do this? Like, I, I don't know. That was rough. Oh, man. Like, he was, like, he didn't win. I don't think he won a round. But he wasn't just completely out of it. But no, it's just... he was fighting like a high-level athlete who had three days fucking notice. Yes. Get, yeah. What are we talking about here? This is not normal for people to do. You know how hard <laughs> it is to cut 20 fucking pounds off your body in three days when you showed up to commentate on a fucking... Like, that's wild, dude. I'm sorry I didn't ask if I can curse on here. Yeah. It's <laughs> fine, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just got fired up about, about Paul Felder. That guy is a true badass, man. I really love that dude. Oh yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I curse all the time. It's fine. <laughs> Every episode is marked. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Explicitly. <laughs> all right, so you want to get into like some of these categories formally? Oh yeah, so yeah, let's um, 
kind of do our state of the union of the year. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go, what do you think? Submission, KO, fight of the year, breakout. Wh where do you think we should start on this? Huh. Um, I mean, probably say fight of the year for last because I feel like that's gonna that's just gonna be the biggest argument. Um, let's go with knockout because people okay. love. Oh, we had some brutal, brutal freaking knockouts, man. And just think, like this isn't even including the contender series. For There's, sure, there was some. Whew, there were some knockouts on the contender series, man. So, yeah. um, do, do you mind? I just have a quick question for you about that, about the contender series, because yeah, yeah. you're you're in the UK, correct? Yeah. Okay, so I mean, what time does the contender series come on for you? I, I think the contender series is usually one in the morning. So, see, that sounds so much more reasonable than having to stay up till five in the morning or three in the morning, whatever. Like, what, what time does the main card usually start? The main card is usually three in the morning. And you're done by, like, five? Six. Because okay. sometimes it's like, you know, if it's a pay-per-view, it's three hours, isn't it? So, yeah, we're usually done around about six. That sounds like a nightmare, dude. Like that, that is I mean, here's the thing, like anytime there's like a UFC card in like China, uh, I try to do that. Like in just in solidarity with the uh, with the BYM UK supporters. Like I just want to know what that life is like. It is, dude, I mean, I, I swear, like I I, uh, I fell asleep and woke up just in time uh, during Bisbing's last fight against Gastelum. You know, like I woke up just in time for the for the main event there because like it's it is such a crazy car. I remember like trying to watch early Darren Till, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh like he was always fighting on those like 4am cards for the U S. Yeah. It was weird. Although I forget which, I think it was the wonder boy fight. They put it on to fit American times. So a lot of times when they're fighting in the UK, it's, you know, UK time, but yet yeah, some, there's a few odd cards. Like when Bisping fought Henderson, that was a nut that one was for american time and so it was just like it's in the uk why am i still up at three in the freaking morning what's happening here <laughs> well isn't that a i mean isn't that like a uh just like for a pay-per-view thing um i feel like if they have specific fight nights in uh england like those are the big english cards but those are usually on like free espn tv versus like the pay-per-views uh, if you're headlining a pay-per-view in England, it needs to be for the American pay-per-view market, no? Was Bisping Henderson the pay-per-view? Oh, yeah. Bisping Hendo, too, was the, uh, was the pay-per-view for, I want to say, October of 2016. Let me check on that. Uh, Henderson versus Bisping, too. That was October 8th, 2016. Damn, dude, I'm good at this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was, uh, I remember because Bisping talked about that, uh, he's talked about it on the show a number of times, like that concept of like, hey, this show isn't starting until, you know, five in the morning. Am I even going to sell a ticket? It's like, no, nah, sold out within. Yeah, that you sold know? out so fucking far. It was crazy. It was crazy. But that's the thing, like, there's, you know, we don't get like those high level cards. So when something like that comes here, that's going to sell out. 
You know, when we have like big artists come over, they sell out because, you know, we don't get it all the time. That is pretty cool. I have a question for you. What is a bigger deal? Uh, Darren Till headlining at, uh, what is Liverpool Stadium? Anfield. Okay, so Darren Till headlining at Anfield against Izzy or Conor McGregor headlining Crow Park against, pick your opponent. <laughs> it would be Conor. It would be Conor? He's just more well-known than Till. Like, right. M- like MMA fans know Till. Everyone knows Conor. You know what I mean? Okay. But I just felt like if it was if specifically, I, I kind of just meant like, what's going to be like a, a bigger rowdy of your crowd, like that Dublin crowd or that Liverpool crowd? Oh, I, 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 man. I mean, the Liverpool crowd is going to be rowdy because they are rowdy. But I think, yeah, Connor and Ireland, that, that's just going to be, in, that would be insane. Yeah. That would be fucking crazy. I mean, I think I that's the think... card everybody wants to see, dude. Because remember, there was the Darren Till was supposed to fight somebody at, uh, he was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker in yes. uh, uh, Crow Park, right? Or I, I think they were talking, yeah, they were talking about, but I think because Dana said it's like when, I think when the UK fights usually happen, the time of year, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. You know what I mean? So he's just a bit like, is it's an open air, um, I think it's an open air venue. So they'd have to do some shit to it, probably, to um, huh. make that happen. Yeah, and isn't there some kind of weird, like, uh, I always heard there was some kind of weird restriction behind Connor ever fighting at Crow Park. Like, because, like, there's certain kind of noise ordinance in Dublin after a certain time. Yeah, well, it depends where a venue is, right? Because they, they, use, they hold these big concerts in Hyde Park. It's kind of like Central Park. Okay. Not as big, but it's big, right? Yeah. And so they held these big concerts. I like saw Queen of the Stone Age there, the White Stripes, Jay-Z, so many yeah. people there. But they brought, they tried to bring in this law a, a, a couple of years ago where um, you couldn't have music after nine o'clock, which then got overturned. <laughs> they overturned that because it would mean you could have no gigs there at all. Yeah, so, why, like, what, what is this, Footloose? Who's banning music? That's crazy. Uh, because there's, uh, there's it's, it's in central London, right? So it, there's still residential kind of close to it. Dude, I live in the Lower East Side of New York. It is so loud, 24-7. You live in a city, dog. You knew what you were getting into, period. Uh, See, but the thing is, right, it's an expensive area, right? If it was just, you know, down the road, no one would give a fuck. But because all of the the, the hoity-toity live there, right, they don't want to hear everyone screaming and shouting to Beyonce at 10 in the, 10 in the night. So um, they, they have that much money. <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing is those houses, they're not, they're not occupied all year round. So the chances are there's no one in when these gigs are going on. It's just some crazy ass bullshit. They're that rich that it's just like Russian oligarchs who own a house in London on the on Hyde Park. Yes, 
Yeah, that's it pretty is. sick, dude. Yeah. I only get that. That sounds pretty dope, dude. That's a nice one. You get Beyonce shows for free, just walk out of your balcony. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it's like that. And I and I think that's the whole thing with Connor and Ireland. I think probably where it's situated, there's too much residential. So you you know what I mean you have to be careful of noise when you're putting it yeah. on. I don't know. There's just something about that to me. Like I'm, uh, you know, there's something about like when Connor comes out, like I, I actually got on uh Fox sports back when, uh, back when they were covering the UFC, when uh, McGregor fought Dennis Seaver in Boston, oh, I went to the car yeah, yeah. dressed up in a full leprechaun costume. And like, <laughs> I got on the, the, the B roll footage for like when they were like coming back from commercial or whatever to like show the McGregor fans in the crowd. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like that, like there is something about that to me where it's like, man, I would, just anybody literally name the fighter. I don't care. Like I will move heaven and earth to get myself to Ireland to go to that fight. Like that is, I've seen Conor McGregor fight in Madison square garden. I've seen Conor McGregor fight in, uh, in Las Vegas. You know, the only thing I haven't seen is, uh, is McGregor in Ireland. Like that, that, that to me would be, I don't know. There, there's nothing more next level than that. I, I, I kind of feel if he got the title again, I think it could be a possibility, right? It, I, I kind of feel if he can get a title again, they might do it. I mean, who's telling him no? Like, you could just make a title for that fight. Like, they made a title for the BMF fight. Like, you can make what? You can make the fucking Lucky Charms title. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody cares. As long as Connor's fighting somebody in Ireland with fucking rowdy Irish hooligans around. Like, dude, I would 100% watch that uh, Diego... Uh, Oh no, no! I would watch. I would watch no. that Diego fight if that's no. what it means. If that's what it means, oh. I would watch him fight Diego Sanchez in Crow Park, hundred percent. Oh, that would just—that's a ter—that's a badass. That's a terrible fight. It's an execution, but whatever, dude. The guy's got one fight left on his contract. Like, let him get his fucking payday right off into the sunset, dude. He's the tough season one winner, and he's fucking jobbing to 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 you know new guys. You know, it, it is what it is. Let him let him get his payday. <laughs> man i think his new coach is probably taking all that payday money uh he might be which i think like i think he's uh i think he's starting to you know like break away from him if i'm reading the tea leaves right it seems like he's kind of figured out this guy's a fucking wackadoo so <laughs> i don't know man I, it's yeah it's like it's funny and it's not you know what i mean like the mike perry thing is only funny until you know the the wheels come off the fucking train you know what i mean yeah. like i look at I look at somebody like, you know, like I, I, I've been out to Mickey's gym to train with Mickey Gall in Lebanon, New Jersey. And it's like, I look at him and the lifestyle that he's building. And it's like, oh, that guy is like, he's building his life around martial arts. You know, like there's no doubt in my mind, he is going to be a high level martial artist for the rest of his athletic prime. And then he's going to teach high level martial arts for the, like, once his athletic prime is over. Like he's yeah, one of yeah. the smartest fighters fighting in the UFC today. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind as he continues to hone his physical gifts and rehab from, from his injuries, like that guy is going to be an absolute fucking killer. And it's like, I look at the guy who went into the Mike Perry fight uh, uh, and Mickey Gall and it's like, yeah, Perry won the fight, but there's no doubt in my mind, like Mickey's winning the war because it's like, it is sad to see a lot of these guys like what the hell is Leonard Garcia doing right now? You know, I know. I know. It's funny. There's certain people that you, um, 
yeah, you, you recall from back in the day and it's just like, where is that guy? Like, what happened to that person? Like, I, I, heard, I heard he's taking a bare-knuckle FC fight in, in, on a raft in China. Like, what, what's going on here? Oh, no. You know? Oh. I mean, like, fucking Crazy Horse. How long has Crazy Horse been in our lives? You know what I mean? Jesus. I've been watching Crazy Horse clips since <laughs> fucking YouTube came out. I know. I know. There's certain people, and you're just like, how are they not slurring? What, what's going on with that shit? <laughs> you know? I don't know, dude. It's a it's it's a brutal game, and anybody who can get in, get out, make their money. I mean, God, God bless them. You know. Well, that's the thing with Khabib, right? You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like I respect the fact that he's walked away. Yeah, kind of would like to see him fight one more time, but then it's just <laughs> against who? Just have him, dude. Give up the belt. The belt never meant anything. The, honestly, Khabib does more for the belts than the belt does for Khabib. Let's be honest right now. You know, after that horseshit with McGregor coming in, not defending, Khabib went, unified the belt, reestablished the lineage. Um, you know, if you, if you consider like that concept of like a lineal champion, you know, like that Khabib closed that loop. He became the interim champion. Uh, he got promoted to the real champion, but he still beat McGregor. You know, he's the, he's the last man to give McGregor an L. Uh, he made that cha- like he made that championship whole again. You know, otherwise we'd have the situation we had at Featherweight for quite some time where Jose Aldo was walking around as a paper champ and we all knew it, you know? Um, so in a situation like that, you know, Khabib, like I said, was doing more for the belt than the belt was doing for Khabib. It's time to put that belt on somebody new because we've talked for years about how lightweight is, is such a division stack with killers. Clearly nobody's getting past Khabib. There's no point in continuing to do that. The one fight for him is GSP. Have him come back. Legends rematch. Do it at International Fight Week 2022. Khabib picks the place. <laughs> I mean, that would be fun. That would That's be it. Fun. Dude, but- I mean, GSP came back for a Legends match against Bisping. You know, like, that's all he's interested in doing. Like, you don't need a mm. title to get GSP back. You don't need a title to get Brock back. No. And, they, you know, GSP did say if he did come back for Khabib, it's only that fight. He's retiring straight after that fight again. So having it for the belt, yeah, it does seem a bit kind of like, eh, you don't need it. You don't need it. And Khabib's at a point where I think he needs to stay retired for a year or two because um, he has accomplished everything, right? Yeah. And let that nod him, that question. Is he the greatest or is George St. Pierre the greatest? Because that's that, in my <coughs> mind, I think Michael Bisping is the greatest middleweight of all time. Uh, and I think right now, the greatest of all time across every division, GOAT of the sport, is between Khabib Nurmagomedov and George St. Pierre. It's only those two, right? I, I don't think John Jones is in the conversation. I don't think DC's in the conversation. I don't think Conor McGregor's in the conversation, right? I think of the greatest of all time, it's 1A and 1B. And it's like, that's going to knock Khabib eventually that he's 1B. It, it may be, because Khabib is a, a, a different animal. It's like the money doesn't seem to matter to him. You know what I mean? He's not living that lavish lifestyle. But what I think is he's got his new fight promotion. So yeah. where he's around that, right, and he's seeing the success of his, his guys, I think that is the thing that could pique his interest. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I... 
I put this in the notes for BYM as soon as I saw the purchase. I was like, I guarantee Dane is going to figure out a way to leverage this into Khabib coming back for one last fight. It's like there's just, you know, like it could be a thing where he's like, yo, I'll give 10 of your top guys contracts, you know, just come back and fight one time. I'll give them all fucking base, uh, you know, uh, five, five, like five, five contracts. And like, you know, you get a piece of all those guys. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's how it works. He's their manager, whatever. You get 10 guys in if you come back and fight GSP one time. No, it, it. it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that. What it would be is Khabib wants to get MMA into the Olympics. So it would be something like Dana helps him do that in a way. Because maybe the Olympics are like, oh, well, you know, we need, you know, the organizations to do this thing. And Dana might normally be like, I ain't doing that shit. But he'd be like, all right, Khabib, I'll do it. You come back. You do one more. And that might be the thing. Helping I don't hate it. the Olympics. I don't hate it, dude. <laughs> all right, so knockout of the year, because we are yes. moving right along here. We got about an hour left. <sighs> I mean. Dude, we've literally covered one knockout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Adesanya Costa. The humping at the end was a bit much. It, it was, but, you know what I mean? And hey, listen, this being says this to you all the time, chat shit get banged, right? And Costa was running his gums all the time through the belt in Izzy's face. Like, he set the rules, Costa set the parameters of it. He, he was just like, anything goes. When he threw that belt, anything goes. And if Costa had won, he'd have, been, he'd have been gloating. He'd have been gloating. He'd been like skinny legs. I told you, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. when, it, you know, when it's reversed, motherfuckers don't like their own medicine. I don't think he would have. I think that's where you're mistaken. Um, uh, like Israel Adesanya made this point, right? In the embedded, when they bumped into each other, right? Like, uh, Waleed Ismail, Costa's guy actually put this footage out, which blew my fucking mind, right? They came up, sized each other up, put their hands on each other, which blew my mind. Like, I can't, like, they just like touched each other on the shoulder, you yeah. know, or on like the, the bicep or whatever, like, you know, like, yeah, just checking in. Costa was a perfect gentleman to Israel. And it's like, oh, he was just selling a fight. Hey, Izzy, he just made you so much money. Do not hump the man in the cage. But straight up, Costa sold this fight better than Izzy ever could have sold this fight. All that shit talking by Costa got people to show up and watch Izzy and be like, you know, I kind of do hope he knocks him out. Dude, this guy just got you fucking paid. Don't hump him. That's crazy. I got, well, I kind of think it depends who Costa's with. Because when he's with Eric, you know what I mean? Sahudo's manager, then things get squirrely. Because that dude, you know what I mean? He changes the atmosphere in the room, right? And I, and I think that's where it gets crazy. When he's with that dude, that's when all the crazy shit starts getting said. Uh, I don't know, dude. I mean, the guy is... It feels like he has like four or five pocketed lines for everything. And it feels like that same corny, like, you know, 
like did you have did you did you get mcgregor's joke writer on here like what what are you doing you know like you're talking about his earrings like you got him for your like that's cute you know like in broken portuguese english you're trying to insult the guy saying he's got girls earrings it's like you guys are cage fighters you can literally wear whatever the fuck you want it doesn't matter because nobody can talk shit to you on the street you know what i mean Dude, if you are the fucking world champion, you could literally walk around with a dildo on your head and nobody would say a fucking word about it. You could do whatever the fuck you want because nobody's talking shit to you, period. Oh, my gosh. Very true. This ain't. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. Now Israel Adesanya just sold whatever it was, 1.3 million pay-per-views or, or some kind of crazy number where it's like, Izzy's never had those highs before. Izzy became a pay-per-view star because of the Costa fight, not because of the Whitaker fight, not him winning the belt against Gastelum, not the Silva fight. You know, those all helped build him in the MMA community. This made him a crossover superstar. This made him possibly like the, the next big thing and set up that Jones-Izzy fight to be the biggest fight maybe in the history of the UFC. And you're going to hump that man in the cage. Look at how Conor McGregor treated Jose Aldo after that fight. He's like, look, uh, you know, it was a lot of shit talking back and forth. It is what it is. It was to sell a fight. He's a great competitor. You know, any given day, anything can happen to anybody. I train hard. I prepare. Like, very humble in victory, right? And I feel like that's yeah. what grew his superstar. Well, Conor's always been very humble in defeat. You know, he's been very analytical. Very humble in victory. It's a little bit of the showmanship, you yeah. know, yeah, give me the money, but he always respected his opponent. Always respected his opponents. Yes. But I don't think... There's the thing is, with Aldo, Aldo didn't really say much. I mean, it was Connor coming at him. So it's easy, but Costa was going at Izzy. And Izzy I think was, that's the slight difference. Yeah. There. All right, I understand what you're saying. Um, I'm sure there's a number of examples I could point to. I mean, fucking, yeah. All right, maybe. Not. Um, I don't know, dude. Bisbing knocking out Rockhold immediately was like shaking his hand, hugging him, like being cool to him. You know, fucking yeah, Rockhold, Rockhold was a dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rockhold started talking shit after getting knocked out. He not banged then chat shit. It was insane. <laughs> That that was some baffling shit. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Bonkers. Um, so no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make that my KO. Uh one of these, two of these on here I really liked. Uh back to back you had them posted, UFC 256. Uh Kevin Holland off his back. Oh my god. I had a dream about this. Bang! That was that was out of a crazy. movie. That was crazy. It's, it's the way he used his leg as a pivot, you know what I mean, to, to give him the momentum to land. And that first strike that hit <laughs> Jacare, you just saw him go, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then it was done. Oh, shit, it was done. That was, yeah, that was nasty. That was not. But yeah, that was really sick. Next one up. Uh, what what I kind of thought was nasty, oh. Jordan Levitt against Matt Wyman's. Was that That's, not the same card? I felt um, like the same card. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. no, no. 
Yeah, because the, the Levitt was on. I think Levitt was Halloween. That was Silver Hall, uh, right? Levitt was uh, Levitt was her Manson vs. Rotori, which oh, was the week yes, before. the week before, no, the week before, the week after. Yeah, yeah. the week before. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was because Holland was supposed to fight Vittori, then he got moved to two fifty six. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So those were back to back. Damn, those were two in two weeks. That's crazy. Ooh. Yeah, the Levitt time was was wild, dude. <laughs> it was just the way he framed the head. Put his elbow there and slammed him. And as soon as he slammed, you just saw Wyman just go cold. It was like, damn. And then he, the fact he was out for so fucking long. Yeah, so I mean, that was long. like Bisbang. Or, I can't remember if it was Bisbang or Chael or whoever it was. They made the point on the following episode like that. That should maybe be illegal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that is uh, that is way too violent of an action. Like that, like there is, you know, like this, somebody's gonna get fucking paralyzed doing that. You know what I mean? Like that is too crazy of a of a of a weapon. And I feel like guys are gonna be able to start looking for that now. I, I definitely feel that. Yeah, now we're gonna see people try and frame the head when they slam. But yeah. now you know. I think you could probably do something to limit it, maybe. I don't know. But, we've, but we, I don't think we've never really seen a slam like that, you know? Yeah, that like, was We've seen level. bad slams, but not like what Levitt did. Because that was just something. Oh, that was crazy. That was really fucking crazy. But, um... You know, yeah, that, that was a brutal one. You know one I forgot? I, I forgot. Oh, uh, no, I don't think it happened this year. I was going to say Amanda Nunes' head kick um, on uh, Jessica Rye. But I think that was last year. No, that was that Valentina. Was... Yes, Valentina. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the one, the one that I had uh, that, that I didn't see on here was uh, Hamzat's one shot KO of uh, GM. Oh, Derek Marcha. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh. it was just filthy. <laughs> like, we're talking come out, cock it, load it, bang. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, I, I had forgotten about that one. That was just... That was a star-making knockout. Oof. That um, was nasty. That was some nasty shit. Yeah, but, yeah, you know. I mean, but was that worse or, uh, than um, Chaos Williams against Abu um, Razak Al-Hassan? Uh, I'm trying to remember that one because I remember it was absolutely brutal um i don't know i think i think just the fact that he was you know fighting at 185 fighting at 170 and then coming back up to 185 (laughs) to land a one-shot knockout against a guy who has had a pretty fucking strong chin over the course of his ufc run in gm3 um you know that is uh, to me i don't know a little a little more impressive uh, impressive that yeah no for real Hey, I, when we talk about knockout of the year, though, I, I think we, we got to mention, well, there's two. And Corey Sanhagen against Marlon Moraes okay. and Jan Blakovich against Dominic Reyes. 
Okay. I mean, both of those were pretty nasty. I mean, I think the, the, the block of this thing is more, I, I don't know, dude, that's just Polish power, baby. Like I, I'm, you know, that didn't feel like any, it didn't feel special for a Jan Blockowicz fight. You know what I mean? So like, I can't necessarily put that in the same ranking as everything else, you know? I mean, I, I do think the others, are, I don't think it wins, but I think it needs a mention because yeah. everyone count, I feel Blackovich was counted out. I think people thought Dominic Reyes was going to run through. I think they thought Dominic Reyes was the heir apparent. He, everyone thought he, because I didn't, I feel John won that fight, but a lot of people thought Reyes beat Jones, right? Oh, he did. So they thought he was going to destroy Reyes and um, Blackovich even. No, I mean, styles make fights, dude. You know, it, it is what it is. I mean, somebody like, uh, you know, Jones, if, if you really look at it, right, Jones, since he came back from the, from the jail time and all that, the, uh, it was really the open same proof fight, you know, like he, he just kind of labored his way through that one. He had the knockout against DC with a kick that he literally set up three years prior to that, you know, <laughs> like he had the book on DC and unfortunately, and you know, as much as he's one of my favorite fighters and, and one of the, the greats to ever do it, you know, John Jones just kind of had his number. So I don't really give as much credence to that, but like he doesn't have that same explosive one shot power that he used to where Blakovich is like, I'll eat two to give three you know, and, yeah. and yeah, my yeah. power is going to come across a little bit stronger than yours. And, you know, for somebody like Reyes, who's, who relies on, you know, pressure and volume and, and, uh, you know, somebody like Blockovich, I don't know. It seemed too easy to me for Blockovich. So. Yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is Blockovich. Yeah. Blockovich. Jan Blockovich. 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 Oh yeah. No, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah. Blachowicz. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Blachowicz. It's Blachowicz. Uh, all right, I mean, Joaquin, you, you got to put Buckley up there. You know, catch the kick and then the 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 heel of the face. Pretty sick. Oh, yeah. That, um, that that was some next level bullshit. Yeah, I mean, that was. I don't know. Like that. That's a that's a weird one where it's like. You know, he, uh, like his last fight was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't he just go to a decision? No, he he, he stopped Jordan Wright. He did. Yeah, in second beginning of the second round, he caught oh. him at the end of the first, and you know he caught him with a big shot at the end of the first round, and then you're just like, I don't know, if thirty seconds is gonna be enough. And then the second round started. Wright is trying to, you know what I mean, keep his distance. And Buckley just, yeah, fucked him up on the fence. Huh. That is, uh, yeah, I mean, he got, you know, I don't know. Like, that. that's pretty cool because he did get caught by Holland earlier this year uh, in his yeah. debut. But, I mean, the, the two wins by KO since then, sensational. Got a Kanye West song. I mean, that's – how do you top <laughs> that for knockout of the year? Like, how many of these other knockouts got Kanye West songs, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, mean, yeah. Did you see that video Dana put out yesterday, by the way, about, like, you know, kind of just sucking his own dick for how good he did during the pandemic? You know what? I ain't mad at that, right? Because because this is the thing. I you know what? I think this year really highlighted how terrible MMA journalism is. Because 
you think of all the shit that went down this year and everyone was just like, you know what I mean? Oh, Dana, he's putting everyone's life at risk. You know what I mean? The UFC shouldn't be holding events. Then when the event went off perfectly, everything was cool. No one came out and were like, you know what? I was wrong. No one Not came out and said, I was wrong. Just all these motherfuckers, dude. They all just wanted to be right so bad. They just stayed quiet and they yeah. quietly wrote fucking hit pieces every time somebody popped. And it's like, no, instead we're just being fucking safe at every turn. Spending yeah. $18 million on COVID tests this year. <laughs> well, they, you know? critis they criticized, you know, oh, wait, the announcers are sitting close together. Wait, Rogan's interviewing people. Oh, bro, they should be shut down. They shouldn't. Do and it was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Crazy. But, but they and like these, these assholes, these assholes who wouldn't have jobs. They yeah. wouldn't have jobs without Dana White creating a sustainable business model for this sport to fucking flourish. Right? And every single one of those ungrateful bastards was rooting for the UFC to be put on a shelf so they had nothing to fucking write about. I know. Uh, and so these fighters could lose tons and tons of fucking money. Yeah. It's insane to me. These are independent contractors. They can't apply for unemployment. If they let them go make a fucking living, it's crazy. I, well, that's the thing that blows my mind, right? Because everyone's talking about the Alley Act and all of this stuff. And it's just like, but which organization kept everyone working? Because Bellator, you could say Bellator have got more money. Because they're backed by Paramount, right? So you could technically think they probably have more disposable income. But they didn't put on half the events. Didn't do it. Well, it I mean, the kind of crazy. The UFC is in that unique position, right? And this is where everybody comes out with fighter pay, right? It's like you got to remember, the UFC has a four billion dollar note on top of them. They have investors who kicked in part of that four billion dollars who are owed returns on said investment. You know, there's balloon payments that have to be hit. There's, you know, the the so the sport has to continue growing at the rate that it is, which is baked into the fighter pay thing to get out from under this $4 billion loan, right? And once they can get there, once the company itself is solvent and tradable, like the NFL is, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, once you're an institution, then you can argue for, you know, the, the, the negotiations or whatever the case may be. But until then, we all have to be on the same team so that there is still a sport in 10 years well yeah but this is something that people always forget about right fighters eat train and rehab for free at the pi oh. so on top of your contract you get that that like no one talks about that when you're talking about contracts because how much would that shit be if you had to pay on your own? Well, like, look at somebody like Johnny Hendricks. You know, the yeah. only reason the guy is still fighting is because he made a deal. I don't know if you know the story. He made a deal. I heard this when I was very new to MMA fandom, uh, where he essentially, like, gave 20% of his future earnings away to some guy who, yeah. for his housing and his food and his training while he was coming up. And when he became world champion, 
that seemed like not a ton of money. And then before you know it, a couple of bad investments and you got to go go fight Paulo Costa at MSG for fucking whatever, you know, not championship money anymore because, you know, these, these people got their hooks in you. The UFC lets these guys earn, you know, it's, it, it, it is a very – it's a meritocracy in every sense of the word because guys like Khabib, guys like Conor McGregor, guys like GSP can write their – John Jones can write his own ticket now, you know? Hey, and more, like Amanda Nunes. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd imagine um, Joanna Jean Jacek. And, you know, I think Wei Lee's probably made a nice little sum just on the few fights. Sure. And it's like any one of those people, if you are good enough at your job, if you train hard enough, right? If you become the best martial artist in the world, you can make a lot of winning money. You know what I mean? Like you will be paid like a superstar athlete, period. Become a superstar athlete. Mm. Well, I think that's what it should be, right? If you work hard, you get paid. If you don't, you don't. I like the five. You get paid for doing nothing. I agree. I like the five-five contract, right? Because you have a chance to earn an extra hundred thousand every time you go out. Every yeah. single time you go out, you can get a six-figure paycheck by getting a performance of the night bonus in the fight of the night. Period. You can yeah. get that, right? So go out there and and, and let your. It's a meritocracy, right? You fight that first fight on your contract. It's a ten-ten fight. It is what it is. You got to prove yourself. Everybody did, kid. Everybody's got to pay their dues. By the end of that five-fight contract right? If you win five split decisions, right? They got to pay you 10, 10, 12, 5, 12, 5, 15, 15, 17, 5, 17, 5, and then 20, 20. Before they know if you're good at all, they've sunk 130 grand into you and maybe a performance bonus because you had some good fight against another also ran on the prelim cards. They've got 250 grand invested into you plus training, plus food for all those years, plus the money they got to put into marketing you, marketing your fights, marketing your game, whatever the case may be, right? You're also making Reebok pay. You know, you could make $300,000 in your first five fight contract and not be and, and not be UFC caliber. Yeah. And it's still yeah. more than an undercard on a boxing card. So much more. Yeah. So much more. And that's the thing. It's like they actually let these guys have a situation where they can live while they're coming up. They can survive while they're coming up in the sport. The UFC has fostered that where no one else has. Yeah, man. Definitely. Definitely. It's crazy. Uh, so last one for knockout of the year, uh, both on the same card. Ah, so I believe it's Cody Garbrandt and Sean O'Malley. Who had the better knockout? <laughs> I mean, if you ask Sean, he did. <laughs> Who do you think had the better knockout? Um... I would probably say, technically speaking, Sean. Like, visually, Cody's one looks more sensational. Okay. I, I disagree with you fundamentally, right? Because the, <laughs> the, problem, the problem with Moicano, right? Uh, uh, if not mistaken, that's who he was fighting, correct? Um, no. Oh, it was the Sun Sal. <laughs> sorry sorry i confuse those two because they have very 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 similar games do they not no how, how do you figure wait rafael asenso and uh, rafael moicano 
they're mo- I, I, I'm telling you, I've always made the comp between the two, and I always confuse the two because a lot of their game is just counter-striking and movement, right? They hit you. They can't get hit. They want to win three or five-round point-fighting matchups, right? That's why they're never going to be bigger than gatekeepers because they don't like they don't chase the finish. They're not exciting. They're not superstars, but they can string together five, six-fight win streaks by just being you know, extremely good counter strikers with very good movement and very good, you know, grappling, wrestling, whatever the case may be where they can hold their own, but they make their bones on the feet point fighting, you know? Uh, I would say a a Santo is probably more of a pressure fighter than Morikano. You think? Yeah. I mean, his style has changed in the last, you know, in the latter half of his career, but early a Santo was definitely more of a pressure fighter really okay i mean like i i'll be honest with you i didn't really i mean i don't know i got into the sport like hardcore i would say in like 2008 2009 maybe 2010 somewhere around that range so um you know for me like i was never a big wec guy so the lower weight classes never really did anything for me i didn't truly start getting interested in them until uh, that whole dust up with TJ Dillashaw and the uh, and and Team Alpha Male, you know. Oh, so I don't yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't I can't process really early career of Sun Tao. I only know the guy who went and lost to TJ Dillashaw in the rematch. That's a lot of what I saw. Is that like I'm just gonna land and then get out, land and then get out. Um, you know, very frustrating uh, uh, counterfighter in a number of those fights. I, I mean, I'm gonna pull up his record here, but uh, so in my mind, what I the reason why I thought it was so good was because I felt like Cody was baiting that in, you know, like this is a guy who's going to, you know, he, he's going to counter fight and then try to strike. He's going to counter strike and then try to move out. Uh, and I feel like that would have frustrated Garbrandt in the past where in this fight, he was able to bait out the exact counter strike that he wanted uh, from a Sun Sal before delivering that big kill shot. And that was oh, like, yeah. no, he, Garbrandt, that was definitely a better performance from him because against um, Munez, he, oh, yes. yeah, he, ugh. you know what I mean? He was not patient, not patient at all. So the, the performance he put on against a Sun Cell, you could definitely see that, you know what I mean? He put in more work on the training, you know? So yeah, I would say he did bait that. He definitely did bait that. I felt like it was a horrible matchup for him. I thought there was no chance he was going to walk out of there winner and he proved me dead wrong. You know, that was for me, like, I feel like the Sean O'Malley fight versus Eddie Wineland. Like, did did anybody think Eddie Wineland was going to beat Sean O'Malley? Did anybody? I mean, we, before before that fight, Wineland had had a really good performance. And Wineland, he's got that herky-jerky style. So you might not have thought he would win, but you didn't think it was going to be that quick. You didn't think it was going to end like that. Sure. I don't, I mean, I guess it was, I'm not going to say it wasn't impressive. I'm not going to say it wasn't a striking clinic put on by O'Malley. I think the, there was a reason that Cody Garbrandt and Asun Sal were what roughly like minus 130, minus 110. It was very close on the betting lines who was going to win that fight. Wineland versus O'Malley was not at all. He was supposed to go in there and beat up uh, a guy who's clearly past his prime, who clearly cannot hang with the elite young stars of the division, which O'Malley is claiming to be. 
Garbrandt is a former champion who is in there against a championship contender, like gatekeeper level person. It's like, if you can beat Rafael Sunsau, you're in title talks, period. That's been the case for five years now. You know, like, what are we doing here? He went and knocked him out, and it, it was just beautiful. So for me, that has to be, like, that levels to this shit kind of thing. You know, like, that's, that's my guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right. Is there anyone that stands out as, you know, the best for you, would you say? So, I mean, it's recency bias, I guess, but, uh, I mean, you, how do you, uh, Kevin Holland against, it's, for me, it's between Kevin Holland against Jacare and Buckley uh, with, the, with the back kick. I mean, the reason I brought up the Dana video is, uh, you know, he talked about the growth on social media and the Buckley thing is the most shared thing that they've ever done. It was a viral sensation, yeah. uh, made him a superstar overnight, made him a household name overnight. Um, you know, and then he, he backed it up in it with another incredible performance. So just as a thing where it's like, I feel like we're going to be looking at that on the Bob O'Reilly montage at the beginning of every card for all time. To me, that's going to be on there forever. The Levite slam probably going to be on there forever. Um, I don't feel like any of these other ones are. So, you know, Colin, maybe Holland, maybe. I don't know if you can convey that easily in a video package. You know what I mean? Like Bisbing knocking out Rockhold is an iconic image. Yeah. I, yeah. And Bisbing just running with his arms in the air. Yeah. Sure. That, that's just. Like Connor knocking out Aldo. Iconic image. Yeah. You know, Connor knocking out Eddie. So it's like, which one of those belongs in the Pantheon? And to me, it feels like we're going to be seeing Buckley's, you know, back kick the highlights the same way we see showtime kick highlights 10 years later. So that's my pick. Okay. Yeah. No, that's solid. That's solid. I'm, I'm probably, I feel I'm going to go with Levitt. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I just thought that was just so brutal. So brutal. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, for me, I think it is between... You know, I think Levitt, Buckley, and Holland are the, the, the three leaders in that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Boar's obviously great year from him. But great. I mean, there's so many good ones on here. But, yeah, I mean, the, it, it definitely is between those three. Um, I see what you're saying with the Levitt one because I remember jumping up and, like, screaming to my roommates, like, oh, like, that was – so next level, I feel like everybody's talking about it for like two days online there. It's what everybody walked away from an incredible card talking about. So, um, you know, that is, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to argue with that one. So, you know, uh, I, I appreciate your pick on that. Yeah. All right. You know, as we've just talking about Kevin Holland, why don't we break out stars of the year? Okay. Because I feel that everyone is going to say Kamzat. But yeah. I don't say Kamzat. I say Holland. Yeah, Holland I mean, Holland is, Holland is kind of my, like, uh, you know, he's like, my, he's Masvidal before Masvidal. You know what I mean? He's a disrespected veteran, and he's only, like, 10 fights into his fucking career. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Kevin Holland has one of the – did you hear this? Kevin Holland only got his start uh, because he went on the Contender Series. He was yeah. talking shit to his opponent during the fight. Dana White – hated that 
Yeah, uh, I, I, well, I remember watching the fight, and all the way through, Holland is just yapping. He is yapping, and he's turning and talking to Dana, and he's yapping, and it was insane. But he didn't get the contract. But then you see him up against Thiago Santos, and it's just like, yo, and he's hanging with Thiago. He didn't get knocked out. He went the full... You know what I mean? And, and I think it was a point, and, uh, he, you know, Santos hit him. And he was just like, ow, why he hit me so hard? And he was just like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Santos was, like, amused. <laughs> Dude, he, like, so apparently, the story I heard is he got that Santos fight as punishment. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. White didn't like his performance. Didn't like the shit talking. Was like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? All right. Come in here on short notice. Fight a guy who legitimately should be fighting for a title one weight class up. Uh, take your lumps and then fucking see if you want to keep talking shit. And he did. He yeah. kept talking shit. Well, Has only I, one loss since then. Yeah. I, well, I, I would. I think it's not just punishment, but it's kind of like, okay. You're talking, you're saying you'll fight anyone. Show and prove. Show and prove, motherfucker. There's like all these people, you know what I mean? Be like, I'll fight anyone. I'll anyone. Just name the day and I'm there. You know what I mean? And then when Kamzat was like, who wants to fight me? Everyone's just like, and then when he's got a fight booked a few weeks later, not, not as soon as ink is on paper, it'd be like, oh, wait. Oh, I was gonna, I just told my agent that I was gonna, oh, fuck, damn, I missed out. No, these dumb motherfuckers waited a few weeks and then were like, oh, I'll fight Hamza. And you're like, you know he's got a fight. What the fuck? So you have people who will claim they will fight anyone, but don't. And I think that was the thing. I think that Colin was saying he'll fight anyone. So he's just like, all right, fight Santos. And he was just like, okay. <laughs> but he uh, fought five times this year five yeah. times wait it's like post every... post corona as well so not at the beginning of the year it was five fights since the comeback dude it's five fights in seven months yeah may august and then september october december yeah what? and he would have fought november but he, but the fight got pulled. He was supposed to fight. Who was he supposed to fight in November? I, I, I forget now. But he no, was it was, it was the week before he was supposed to fight. It was the first week of December he was supposed no, to no, fight. No, 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 no. There was another card, right? Someone dropped out and he was just like, I'll take that fight. But th something happened. I think maybe the other guy got COVID. Something happened and that fight didn't happen. Uh, okay, Holland was scheduled to face Mahmoud Muradov, uh, replacing the injured Christoph Jocko on the Halloween card. Yes. Um, oh, he was put up against Charles on Taveros. Uh, was scheduled to face Jack Hermanson on December 5th, replacing Darren Till. On November 28th, it was announced. Okay, so it was supposed to, I'm just reading, it was supposed to be December 5th. I don't see another one on here on his Wikipedia, but I think that's, that might be the one you're thinking of. He was supposed to fight uh, Mahmoud and instead got on Taveros. Oh, no, it wasn't that one. There was, there was another fight. I, maybe it wasn't completely confirmed. And they were just, he just said, I'll take it, but then something happened. But there was another fight that was getting talked about. But 
five fights in seven months. Three performance bonuses, uh, uh, a knockout of the year contender, and the record for most wins in a calendar year in the middleweight division. I mean, how do you how do you beat that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's why I feel I feel you can't give it to Kamzat. He fought three times. Okay, well, I mean, let's go through the rest of this list. I mean, you got Dawkins, two fights, two wins, two big wins. I feel like it's still a bit early for him. You know, he's an undersized heavyweight who's fighting, you know, a lot of the not-ranked guys who are who are also, like, also ranked. You know what I mean? They're not contenders. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got promise. I'm definitely excited to see where he's going. Uh, Buckley got knocked out by Holland this year. I can't put Buckley over Holland. That's crazy, yeah. right? And the way he was just like, hey, you got something in your nose. Thanks, man. Boom! <laughs> Bonker. Oh, shit. It was crazy. Uh, it's so fun. Uh, Blahovich, uh, you know, I mean, he, he won the title. I don't think he needs this. I mean, I feel like I, I've, I've had this kind of thing in my head recently uh, with, like, the disrespected veteran title. So it's like it was Tony Ferguson at lightweight for the longest time. Charles Oliveira stole that title from him, you know, like the, yeah, that yeah, yeah. veteran, the quote-unquote dark horse in the division who doesn't get enough respect. I think right now it's between Neil Magny and Michael Chase at 170, for instance. Um, you know, there's there's Leon Edwards is is in that position, for better or worse, at middleweight right now. You know, like that guy who's – who's been in the sport a long time, has a long win record, and, and just nobody seems to respect him as a title contender. It, I think with Leon, it's because of frequency of fights. I, mean, I think that's it. It's also the excitement level of those fights. Let's be honest here. I mean, Leon Edwards is, you know, how many of his fights have ended in, in you know, highlight real fashion? Yeah, I mean, there is, I, there is that. You know, well, but you look at the perform. They were great performances. But I mean, Dos Anjos decision, Gunnar Nelson decision. So that, that was a great performance against Nelson, though. Not uh, arguing. Yes. But Not yeah, arguing that it, it was doesn't a, light. It doesn't light people up. No, so I mean, it, that it, is yeah. the problem. Dude, knockouts put butts in seats. You know, uh, guys like Bryce Mitchell who can pull crazy submissions out of nowhere put butts in seats. You know, I. I there's something about Leon Edwards at the top of a pay-per-view that just doesn't like, I'm not reaching into my pocket necessarily for that. You know, it's just the, the cold, hard reality as a fan. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see, I do get that. I get, and that is why, because he hasn't fought recently, it's harder. Right. You know, it's hard. So if he beats Kamzat, even if he beats Kamzat by decision, that's going to be big for Leon. I mean, yep. that will give Leon a lot of credit with the fans. Yeah. They will want to see him fight more. What do you think is a bigger fight for him right now? Uh, Usman for the belt or Masvidal to get back for three-piece in a soda? I mean, I think if he fought Usman, Right, fight Usman, win the belt, then you can then the, the Mazavel fights there. It's like Connor and Nate free. It's gonna be there. So Mazavel will be there. But it, it will be a bigger fight for Leon if he beat Usman. You know yeah. what I mean? You get pay-per-view points for the champion. That's just it, how it is. So get that belt and then you know. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. So, I mean, just to, to go, so I don't think the reason I brought all that up is I think Blokovic was just there. He was the disrespected veteran of the category. You know I mean? His only losses were to the absolute elite of the division in a lot of crazy ways. And he avenged most of his losses, uh, has become a better fighter. And certainly with John Jones gone, I, I see him being like a, a good stalwart champion to, to, you know, uh, lead this new breed of light heavyweights. Uh, I don't think I love the fight with Izzy next for him. I would like to see him defend the belt against Tashera and some of the other killers at 205, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Bobby sure. Green had a shot to be, he had a shot to take that Kevin Holland spot. I think he, he had five fights this year, went four of five. Um, you know, incredible year from Bobby Green. I used to call him million dollar talent with a 10 cent head. I, I think this is, you know, a, a much more mature Bobby Green this year that we've seen. So I'm very oh, happy for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I did think he won that last fight. I thought he won that last fight, but you know. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I saw it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. I think I fell asleep during it. I'm not like during it. I think I fell asleep a little earlier in the card and just slept through that fight. So, um, you know, it's a shame. But you know, Bobby Green is. Uh, Bobby Green was on the show this year. He's got a great personality. He is. Mm. He's reinvigorated his love for the sport. I remember. I thought he was going to wreck. Uh, Dustin Poirier when the two fought oh, at uh, yeah, yeah, UFC yeah. 199 and I could not have been more wrong um, Bobby just showed flashes there right he had like the flashy style he has the power he's got like the, the slickness and the head movement but it's like you just stood in front of a you know a masterful uh, boxing striker in Dustin Poirier and you got knocked the fuck out for it like what did you think was going to happen buddy <laughs> um, yeah that was only Bobby but yeah, new this new Bobby Green. I'm liking this new Bobby Green, man. He, he's definitely got a new understanding on you know what he needs to do inside the octagon. For yeah. sure. Um, you know, and I, I'd like to see him continue to take fights. He certainly is like getting to that point where he's he's ready to almost take on a rank fight. But I, you know, he is coming off a loss, get one or two more wins against these up and coming contenders, and then you know, try to make a run at this, Bob, because you mm. know, I, I definitely do think he has superstar talent. You know, he's got oh. superstar talent in in his talk and in his hands. It's just a matter of you know putting everything together for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, another guy who I think, honestly, Bobby Green is up there for this and, and, and for sure, Glover Teixeira, most improved fighter of the year, you know, maybe oh. not the breakout, but you know, I mean, guys who are just fucking Phoenixes rising from the ashes. How good was Glover this year, man? Jesus. Like the crazy thing with Glover, because there was that time and we saw him get like overwhelmed by fighters. You know, he takes that big shot and then it's all falling apart. This year, you know, he takes that big shot. We've seen him on the verge of losing, but he just hones that experience. You know, he ties them up, he recuperates, and then he comes back and he finishes, motherfuckers. It's just Glover really just, I don't know, it all seemed to fall into place for him, man. So I remember the Memorial Day card uh, it was the fight against Gus, right? That's where he just went in there and, like, kept taking those fucking uppercuts oh. over and over again. And you were like, what the – what is Glover's head made out of? Like, how is he taking this much gain? It's crazy. Um, you know, and I just remember, like, thinking, like, my God, dude, he is – 
he's he's superhuman to keep taking that kind of punishment and now to go from from those kind of shots to like you know letting anthony smith gas himself out by punching glover in the head like excellent strategy excellent strategy glover if you're gonna homer simpson your way to a title dude like god bless you and then knock smith's teeth out and apologize for it you know what i mean it's just like shit glover man i I, I loved it. You know, uh, uh, Lewis actually coined this. You know, he was the Brazilian zombie. You know, like that was, it was insane. He just kept coming. You could not put that guy down. So God bless him, man. That was, that was one hell of a year from Glover Teixeira. And, uh, you know, I, I, this is why I don't like the Israel Adesanya moving up to face Blockovich because Blockovich versus Teixeira is such a fun fight for the 205 title. Make that the second, uh, you know, make that the second fight on like a, on the Connor versus Poirier card or, or, you know, the Nunez versus Dern card or whoever, you know, it's um, Anderson. Anderson. There you go. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I would love to see Glover get that shot. Yeah. I think but, we all would. but you know that the Adesanya fight, that's going to make more money. Yeah. And I think the problem is I think what they're actually trying to set up and as much as it fucking annoys me, they're yeah, trying to set Jones, up. Yeah. Izzy gets the belt. Jones, Izzy, an international fight week in July at yeah. two oh five. Like Jones, it left. He's not going to let Izzy walk around with his belt. You know, do the fucking fight at Las Vegas Raiders Stadium. You know, hundred thousand people there. Whatever. It's the biggest event, arguably, in you in, in biggest event since McGregor could be certainly. Oh no doubt, no doubt. That that is the perfect scenario. You know what I mean? It's the perfect scenario for that to happen. But to be honest with you, right? Think if you think about it, it might not be a bad thing for Texeria to have a, a bit of time off because he took some big shots this year. You know, and he's older, so a little bit of time. You know what I mean? A little bit of time to get that that head all settled, and then he fights. You know. Oh, the, the 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 next title holder. I think mean, that could work. He's getting to that DC style of taking one fight a year. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, how old is he? Is he in his forties yet? I think so. I saw, I saw him fight in the WEC with hair the other day. <laughs> Dude, he is 41 years old. I mean, he's not getting any younger. I don't like Blahovich was saying the same thing. I'm not getting any younger. He doesn't have much longer for the sport. Like, what are we? What are we doing here? You know, give us the give us the fights we want while you can still give it to us, Dana. Like, don't you know if this if this pandemic has taught me anything? Like, don't fucking wait for your 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 chickens to hatch. You know, like the best laid plans can go awry at any point. Just give us the fights we want when we want them, and people will continue to show up. Well, I think that, but that's the big thing, right? Anything could happen. So have Texera as the uh, alternate because who knows what happens. So have Texera as the alternate and you know, he could slip in the back door and get that fight still. Yeah, but that's weird then. All right, Teixeira comes in for an injured Blokovic or a COVID Blokovic and, and he fights Israel for the interim 205 title, I guess. And then you put the interim title against Jets. So fucking weird, dude. I don't like that at all. No, no, no. But I, I'm thinking more Izzy gets injured or ill. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, it doesn't work the other way around. But it's if very weird got... the other way around. But if yeah. you have Glover there as a backup, he has to be willing to step in for either guy. Well, yes. 
But in, in the perfect scenario, he steps in for Izzy. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't know, dude. I would honestly love to see a, a superstar fight between him and Rakic. Uh, you know, see if, if Rakic is ready for a title fight. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many good guys at, at 205 right now. And I feel like, an, like another thing, like lightweight so long has been ruled by Khabib that, you know, like, well, what are we doing here? You know, like, let us, we, we finally have a breath of fresh air at 205. Let us get some of these interesting fights possibly for a title, you know? Yeah. It's just what combination do you do? You know what I mean? There, there's a few good fights that can be made at lightweight. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a few good fights at lightweight. There's a few good fights at light heavyweight. Apparently, I was just reading something. It looks like Dan Hooker might be Michael Chandler's debut. Interesting. Yeah, everyone assumed it would be Gaethje, yeah. which I don't quite get why. I don't know what you're doing there. You're 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 blowing your load, if you ask me. I mean, let Chandler let Chandler debut against a good right. Like, let Chandler prove himself, you know, yeah. and then you build to a superstar fight between him and Gaethje, possibly for an interim title, or you know, what what like. There's so much out there. There's so many interesting fights out there. Oliveira versus, I mean, the winner of McGregor versus Poirier is. I mean, that's that's my pick for next interim title fight. But you know, um. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at 205 here. I mean, you got Santos, you got Reyes, you got Rackage, you got Jiri Prohaska. Like, that's another oh, guy. Yeah, that yeah. Here off they one know. fight, one he fight. Looked, he looked good against some um, Uzumir. He looked yeah. crazy. He looked good though. You know what I mean? I'm definitely interested to see what he can do in that yeah. division. Nikki Thrills is back. Johnny Walker is, you know, he's definitely an up-and-comer. Misha Serkinov is back, still looking dangerous on any given day. Magomed Ankalaev. Jim Crute, who I love. I fucking love that dude. He's a badass. Uh, Paul Craig, shout-out Scotland Massive. Uh, Jamal Hill. Uh, I mean, Ryan Spann, I thought for sure, was going to win that fight against Johnny Walker. He still has a ton of potential. So, yeah, I mean, dude, 205 is stacked with talent right now. Let's start having a bunch of those fights, and let's shift them, shift, shift some things around in these rankings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's everybody for breakout fighter of the year. You're going to stick with Holland, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, Holland's my breakout fighter of the year. The one guy we didn't put on here, Davison Figueredo. See... I get figure, the Figueredo talk, right? And he would, be, he would be the one if he hadn't missed weight. He missed weight in that first fight. And that's the asterisk for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, according to Bisbing, your job as a fighter is to show up on weight ready to fight. That exactly. is your job. Not to win, lose, whatever. Your job as a fighter is to show up on that date, on weight, prepared to fight, like the fight of your life. And, you know, he didn't do that. I agree that's, you know, shit. Uh, but, you know, it made weight for three other fights this year. Uh, you know, three title fights uh, only because of the missed weight thing. He certainly would have had another title fight in there somewhere else. I mean, the guy made the fastest turnaround uh, uh, 21 days. He didn't win both fights, but he did defend his belt. Um, you know, it's – to me, it's between Holland and Figueredo. You know, Hamzad is a is a third. If he had gotten the Edwards win, I think there's no doubt in anybody's mind it, it would be Hamzad, but we don't know how that fight would go. You know, I mean, we saw Bobby Green tried to go five of five. He wasn't able to get it done. Uh, Kamal Wur or Chaos. Um, 
That would chaos be Williams. Chaos yeah, no. the three. I, I understand. I'm just saying, like, if he had gotten, like, another stellar knockout oh, win. Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Chaos Williams might have been on a list. If Buckley didn't have the, you know, it is what it is. I think it's really between those three fighters. And, and for me, because of the five of five and going from somebody who was a, you know, an interesting side sh- uh, addition from the contender series uh, to somebody who's a legitimate title contender and Kevin Holland is. Yeah. Like, Darren Till legit called him out yesterday, I believe you may. Did, you know? Oh. I I I was saving that um, episode for uh, you know my kettlebell routine tomorrow. Hell yeah! All right, I'm sorry to, to spoil it for you, but yeah, I mean he did talk. He talked a little bit just about how interesting it would be to do the shit talking beforehand and then in the cage with a guy like Kevin Holland and like two guys who can certainly like make people laugh, entertain people, get people interested in a fight. Like that feels like the one where that would really bring both fighters up a level and yeah that's a fun fight i mean i wish darren had you know said it on here when i asked him to uh come on but you know whatever he wants to go and do believe you and me yeah i mean what, what is he doing come on now <laughs> what are you doing darren <laughs> uh, it's at polar funk on uh on instagram you should for sure uh, you know, answer those DMs, Darren. What are you doing? <laughs> There's a lot of people that need to answer their DMs. There's a lot yeah. of messages that have gone out. <laughs> but we will, we will see. We will see. You know, 2021, uh, chin check, blowing up. For sure. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, for me, obviously, um, Kevin Hall. Not obviously, but, yeah, Kevin Hall. Mm. No, I, I yeah. I, I agree with your um, reasoning for the, the fighters that are in contention. And I do understand Figueredo. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, if he hadn't have missed weight, for sure Figueredo. But that, that's the only contention I have. And um, yeah, that's why I say Holland. But um, do we have time to look at submissions? Oh, we, we, I thought we had to do female breakout of the year. Oh, yes. Good damn. Yeah. Well, I only have the four names here. I mean, Hill Dern, Hebos, and Maverick. I mean, I don't know who Miranda Maverick is. Do you? Yeah. She fought in Invicta. She, okay. um, yeah, she came in. She had a great win. She had a really good win against, um, I can't pronounce the girl's name. Good damn it. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, Eastern block names. With the, Liana Zhuzhou? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I I kind of feel it doesn't sound like that when um you know Dan Hardy and whatnot pronounce it. But uh, yeah, yeah, she had a great win in, and it was the lead. She hit a lead elbow that fucked that girl up. Oh, it was nasty. Okay, I mean, still though, that's only one fight. It is. But uh, Maverick, Maverick is more like I don't think she I, she's not going to win it, but I kind of feel that she should be there because she shows so much potential. You kind of look at Maverick and you think she will be challenging for a belt. I mean, the same thing as that Dawkins pick. You know what I mean? Like you're only going two and zero. It's two knockouts against unranked people. It is, it is what it is. But I mean, I, that's how I felt about my girl uh, Macy Barber last year. You know, like she she couldn't really be you know ranked among the elite, but she certainly did. Uh, 
you know, at least put people on notice. Um, somebody who I feel like made that jump this year, uh, Amanda Hebas. Oh, my God. Hebas has just looked so good. And the crazy thing is, right, we know she's legit on the ground. Because uh-huh. Dern, you know, Dern's dad is Megatron, but Hebas's dad is another jiu-jitsu legend. Is it? So she is great on the ground and her stand-up she looks good on the feet yeah i mean you know last year she she had the win against mackenzie durham winning the uh you know winning the the decision there i mean the the you know uh, she she had a good debut in 2019 i i remember coming out to the page van zandt fight uh i was arguing with lewis about this because i watched it at uh at his place um he was like you know the um you know, like they're they're putting her in this fight to make her a superstar as Paige exits the company. You know what I mean? Dana's very good about that, right? Like he did it with the Johnny Hendricks fight, did it with the Roy McDonald fight. You know, like he he knows how to maneuver these things where these fighters are on their last fight of their contract. I'm gonna give them to an up and coming contender who I think could be the next big thing. Um, and I remember saying to Lewis as, as she was coming out, I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna be bouncing my kid on my knee one day, telling stories about the great Amanda Hebos, and then immediately comes out, fucking blitzes Paige Van Zandt, gets the the submission. I'm like, oh, I I may be eating my words. Like she is cute as hell. She can talk. She's a fucking wizard on the ground. Like she yep. is. She is a problem. Yeah, she's legit. She is legit. And she's saying that, you know what I mean? She, she's probably going to move up in weight at some point as well. Again? To Bantamweight? Because mm. she's at Flyweight right now, came up from Strawweight, got the two wins, three wins at Strawweight, jumps yeah. up to Flyweight, wins her Flyweight debut. If she, can be, if she can compete in all three weight divisions for the women's side, that is, that's something we've never seen before, and that's something that's very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I think she could possibly maybe move between straw and fly at the moment. And then probably in a few years time, you know what I mean? That cut to straw will be a bit too much. Right. And it, yeah, she'll, we'll see her go to bantamweight. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like Dern is going to have to make that same path eventually too. But I mean, that's another one who talk about writing the shit, man, you know, last oh year she, she has that loss uh, to, to he boss and it looks like she's in rough shape. And then same as a uh, Holland doesn't come back until May and then three wins in, in six months here. That's, you know, seven months. That's incredible. Well, the crazy thing is she had the baby. She right. had the baby and you kind of thought, oh, she's going to be out for a while. She came back. I think it was like a month later and no more issues cutting weight. No more issues cutting weight. It's insane. Yeah. But I mean, she did lose the decision her first fight back. So it's like, maybe you shouldn't have come back a month after having a fucking kid. Dumb dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like take some time, uh, enjoy having a child, you know, and then, get back to fighting people like this is bonkers to me uh but no i I feel like in 2020 we've seen a different uh mackenzie dern i feel like working with perillo is uh, will take i I said this on twitter right like ariel's like jason perillo doesn't get enough credit i'm like no perillo gets plenty of fucking credit everybody knows how good perillo is like he takes good fighters and makes them great and he takes great fighters and makes them legends you know like it's it's just that perillo doesn't he doesn't hog the limelight, right? We see we, there's certain people that want to be in front of the camera and Perillo is kind of, he's called to be chilling in the back. Yeah. 
you know? He's the fucking man, dude. He is, of all the people who I've met while working on Believe You Me, like, of the people I've just gotten to hang out and kick it with, Perillo might be my favorite, dude. He is just the coolest fucking guy, man. Like, the, the, the coolest guy in the room at all times is Jason Perillo. And, like, certainly somebody who, like, if, if you're out for the night and somebody starts chatting shit, I, you know... Uh, Get yeah. my Rolodex. I mean, if I can't call Bisbing, Perillo is is the next one I want having my back for sure. That dude does not hesitate. He's a fucking killer, B. I love Perillo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I definitely think working with Dern, you've seen it like that. That footwork she had, and and, and being able to completely change her game as somebody who came in as a strictly submission specialist to put together the kind of performance she needed in that third round with a broken nose with blood streaming down her face facing as much adversity as we've seen uh for her to get that win is like oh, that's yeah, leveling yeah, up. she put it on jg rober in that third round and like she had had knockout wins and she had a few a couple of knockout wins in lfa but her hands no, she, she didn't. Was winging. She was winging everything. So she, she had no knockout. I'm looking at her. I'm looking at Mackenzie Dern, right? Her record right now. Yeah. Was uh, it oh, submission, yeah. submission, submission. I mean, I'm sure it was club and subs. No, uh, yes, that, yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, she hit the girl of, and then she armbarred her, I believe. I think that was it. Yeah, no knockout. But yeah, but her, her, she was winging shit. And under Perillo, we have seen the striking definitely redefined right you know? and i think a few more a little a few more months you know I mean a bit more time and we're gonna see yeah we're gonna see a definitely a dangerous turn on the feet yeah um yeah then the the other one you had on here was angela hill i mean she took four fights in 2020 um you know, I mean, she got the win over Hannah Cyphers, and that looked good until you saw what Hannah Cyphers did with the rest of her year, and it's like, yeesh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, lost to Mackenzie Dern, and then two other people I've never even heard of. Uh, you know, so I don't know how great of a win that is. Loma looked I, – I'm not even going to try that oh, last name. Loma Lumbook me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She is very me. good. She is if, very good. Really? Like, in her last fight, she really, you know, she's made correct. But she came from uh, Mai Tai kickboxing, you know? You so know what? I do remember that fight uh, on the home versus Aldana card because for whatever reason, I was super bored that weekend. Uh, had absolutely nothing going on in New York. So I do remember watching that fight and thinking, man, that was uh, – yeah, she did have a great performance in that fight. So, yeah, I'll give it to you. That was a, a very clean win. The Claudia Gadelia fight, lost split decision because it's an Angela Hill fight. Michelle Waterson lost split decision because it's an Angela Hill fight. I mean, I can't really call her a breakout when she's doing the same thing she's always done, but she is an entertaining fighter who's always like – I, anytime I see Angel Hill on the card, I'm like, hell yeah, dude. I'm fucking, I'm ready for a, a a very fun fight. And I feel like it's why she's becoming a fan favorite. If not, I, I don't can't consider her a breakout. Yeah, no, that's fair. It, it's, it was just hard to think of who, yeah, who'd you put on? Because, you know, Nunes didn't fight that much. Like, I mean, you can't call Valentina a breakout. You know what I mean? So it, it gets a bit more tricky with, um, yeah, the ladies. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the at the ladies' uh, uh, rank here. Like, I mean, I 
you know, Jessica Andrade, but it's like, okay, what did she do this year? You know, she had a, a very controversial decision loss to uh, Rose Namajunas. I thought she won that fight. Uh, I, I think that was, you know, some pretty rough decision there. Uh, and then, I mean, the, the comeback win against uh, Chukagon in her uh, flyweight debut, now ranked number one. I mean, you can't call her a breakout when, you know, she nearly ended last year as a champion. You know what I mean? Like her, her, her last fight in 2019, she walked into the octagon with a belt around her waist she doesn't have a belt around her waist this year so i can't call her a breakout you know we, we, we've seen her hit lofty heights before um but certainly very interested to see what she does in uh, 2020 i mean you know i mean down the list aspen lad caitlin trucher gondina answer like you know what, what are we doing here cynthia calvillo yeah she had the fucking you know the debut win at you know i don't know this is crazy you know what i mean like a, a uh joanna Jan, Carlos, like there's, I think that's it. Um, for me, it, it could have been Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya certainly had a had a very compelling fight against Valentina, and then the the gutsy win against Yoan uh, uh, Calderwood. I mean, you know, she's up there, but no, nah, I, I personally think I would give it to Dern. She went from being like a pretty face and like a you know, is she just a, a Brazilian jiu jitsu specialist to, you know. Somebody who I'm definitely – I would not be mad if she was the co-main event on, like, a big fight night card now, you know? Like, I wouldn't mind if she was on the main card of the next big pay-per-view. Like, I, I'm interested. I'm invested in the Mackenzie Dern business. So, to me, it's either her or Hebas. Yeah, no, I, I'd say Dern. Because I think Hebas, we've seen her perform at that level. Like, we know how talented she is. And Dern – we knew she's great on the ground, right? She had the weight issues, but she's corrected the weight and she's added the stand-up. And so I think Dern is the one that has made the most pivot. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Dern is that. And if we're being honest here, to get to... I feel like for, for Hebots at this point in my mind, for her to reach breakout status, she's got to win a belt. You know, and it's like, that's a lofty, you know, expectation to put on someone. But right now, that's where I think her career trajectory is going. So anything short of a belt for her. And I'm like, I don't think she's going to be happy with it. Um, oh, yeah. No, she, yeah. She definitely wants a belt. She definitely wants a belt. So I, mean, I, I think next year we will see her fight someone in the, um, you know, the top five. Yeah, I, I think that is her trajectory. I mean, get a top 10 fight and then, you know, at, at those women's weight classes, if you're a star and you get a, a big win or two in, in, uh, in the rankings, you're, you're next in line because there is no stars. They, they need to – it's the three champions, you know? Like the only one who's given those champions a fight are other champions or Joanna. Like there needs to be another star. I feel like Andrade is that right now. Uh, Rose is waiting in the wings. But like the lighter weight classes have it, the, the heavier ones don't. So, you know, Hibasa. Uh, uh, becoming a star at flyweight next year and maybe challenging Valentina. That is, that is something I'd be excited to see for sure. Yeah, definitely. I am, I might die if I don't go get a pee soon. Um, and I need to go start my other show. So you want to end this here and we'll get to submission and fight of the year on the next one. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll do that. That's all fun. right. Hell yeah. Uh, absolute, absolute pleasure, Kevin. Uh, this Where can so much people fun. follow you, man? 
Uh, you can check me out every week on Believe You Me, Mondays and Thursdays. We record it, so it drops on YouTube, uh, midnight Eastern, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. So check that out. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at them Harrington. I'm non-binary now, so, you know, deal with it, suckers. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is super fun. Cool, man. Thanks for coming. Bye. And, um, yeah, until next time, man. Until next time. All right. Peace. Okay, people, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed, hope you had fun, you know, time constraints meant we didn't quite finish everything, but we will hit that again real soon, so stay tuned for um, what we have in store next for you people, and um, yo, go follow Harrington, and Harrington is the man, you know what I mean, he's a stand-up dude, and um, yo, appreciate him for stepping in, alright, so before we bounce, as we do, we're gonna look and see what fight news there is, it's Christmas, but some shit don't stop people, Alright, so Victoria Leonardo was meant to be fighting Natalia Silva, but unfortunately, Silva is, um, yeah, she's contracted uh, an injury. So, um, you know, the fight isn't going to happen on the 20th of January or any other time soon. Uh, supposedly, um, the word is UFC is looking for a new opponent for Leonardo, you know, and if you remember Leonardo the Invicta standout, she won a contract on, uh, the Contender Series, you know, so, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing her make her debut, alright, so, on, um, our first card of the year, you know what I mean? The 16th of January, we have got middleweights Nasadorn Imovov against Phil Hawes. So that's going to be taking place in um, Abu Dhabi. Now, the um, last card in Abu Dhabi, UFC 257. Right? Unfortunately, um, Munez is out of his encounter. With Mahmoud Mavadov in step Andrew Sanchez. So, um, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Now, on the 6th of February, Devontae Smith is going to be throwing hands against Alex Da Silva. So, that's going to be a fun one. Um, I think that might be the pay per view. I think. Hmm, I might be wrong Alright, but one thing I do know On March the 6th That is UFC 259 And um, the rescheduled clash of Jordan Espinosa and Tim Elliott Will be taking place on that date, people So yes, that is it We are done <laughs> People Enjoy the rest of your Christmas day, have fun, and we will see you again real soon with, um, yeah, another 
Another little surprise, people. We've got another little surprise coming straight at you, which will lead, hopefully, into, um, yeah, something that's taking place on Wednesday. All right. Until then, people. Hey, enjoy, have fun, and take care. Peace.